Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Will a Joe Biden press conference really change anything? Does it change the reality that Afghanistan has become a hellscape in less than 30 days? And that Joe Biden, just a month ago, was telling us that it absolutely positively would not fall. Is the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Because you have the Afghan troops have 300,000 well-equipped, as well-equipped as any army in the world, and an air force against something like 75,000 Taliban. It is not inevitable. The Taliban took the country in 30 days. Afghanistan forces didn't even try. Now, I could be told by somebody on the ground that, yes, they did try, but I see how quickly the Taliban moved, and the answer is no, they didn't. They absolutely positively didn't try. You see them giving up. You see the billions of dollars of U.S. hardware that will fall into the hands of China and Russia and Iran. It will be sold to them. And what will they do with it? They'll reverse engineer it so they know how to make these same products, whether it be drone technology or other things. How about the sights and sounds of the airport? The airport there in Kabul, where... People are being left for dead. Those people who helped the U.S. military, we're going to get into all of this. Coming up in just a bit, Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Parlor, Instagram, Twitter, Tony Katz. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. And I won't even engage the people who want to make the argument that, oh, this is, this is, see, this is all just, uh, is all just Donald Trump's fault because he created this terrible deal. You want to try me on that one? <laughs> I mean, come on. Call in. Let's, I, I, I would enjoy laughing directly at you. To that end, I had a conversation earlier today with Congressman Jim Banks, who has served in this war. Congressman representing the Indiana 3rd District. That's the Fort Wayne area. On this subject asking him about what we're seeing and where the fault is. Congressman Jim Banks joins us right now from the Indiana 3rd uh, District. That's the Fort Wayne area. And, sir, uh, as somebody who has uh, served and has been uh, in those areas, give us an idea of exactly how quickly the Taliban was able to do this and whether or not it was indeed a surprise that they could move with such speed. Well, Tony, first and foremost, this was entirely predictable. It was completely avoidable, but entirely predictable. The intelligence reports just on Friday told us that Kabul could fall within 30 to 90 days. It took one day. I mean, literally one, one day later, the Taliban had taken over the presidential palace in Kabul and, uh, and, and, and took over the city of Kabul, the capital of the country of Afghanistan. So this is obviously sickening for me. I know uh, a number of Afghanistan war veterans are probably listening to your show right now, Tony, trying to make sense of how this could happen 
in such a short period a period of time after 20 years of investment trillions of dollars uh, lost lives um, and and, and uh, sacrifices by many of our our troops uh, right here from the from the Hoosier state and throughout the country uh, who have invested uh, uh, so much in that country it only took one month for it to fall after 20 years of a failed attempt to build up a, a civil society a government and uh, and a military there that could fight back against the Taliban it's just well that's the question sir watch the question is 20 years of American treasure of American blood American hardware American ingenuity and the Afghan forces didn't last 30 days uh, if, if I was a a man who asked questions in a direct fashion I would say to you what the hell happened yeah, that, that's the question that everybody should be asking. I, I, I agree with you, Tony, but, but th this was a completely hasty and botched uh, retreat by the Biden administration that will go down in history as one of the most epic failures of our military and by a commander in chief that we perhaps have ever seen. And, and that, that's what at, at this moment, that, that's what is painfully clear. This, this commander in chief is unfit to lead our nation. Uh, you see the crisis that are happening at home at the border, inflation, crime, and whatnot. And then you see this botched uh, retreat from Afghanistan that it, at the end of the day, here's what's going to happen. I mean, the, 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 biggest, uh, 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 the biggest takeaway from this is that now, now with Afghanistan uh, in control by the Taliban, what you're going to see rise at the same moment is Al-Qaeda or something worse, ISIS-K. The last time that I was there being briefed by the top generals in Afghanistan, they were concerned about the, the worst strain of ISIS-K rising up in Afghanistan and taking it over. We're going to be right back to where we were during the Obama era with the rise of ISIS, with the abrupt uh, pullout of Iraq. You're going to see the same thing predictably happen in Afghanistan that's going to inevitably make America less safe and secure. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, you're making the statement that we will now see the rise of of ISIS. Not you're not having an Al Qaeda conversation. You're having an ISIS conversation. That would lead one to believe that the U.S. would have to be in Afghanistan permanently. Is that your take? Yeah, that's not that's not uh, that's not the path that Donald Trump set us down. This is you know yesterday I saw a lot of activity, even a, a hack. Uh, a so-called journalist from an Indianapolis TV station was was firing tweets at me saying, "But this was Trump's deal." I mean, they're they're already blaming. They know it's a catastrophe. The Biden administration knows it's a catastrophe. That's why he's hiding and he won't address the American people. And they want to blame it on Donald Trump because of negotiations that Trump engaged in with the Taliban. But let me let, let me be very clear about this, Tony. Uh, uh, Donald Trump set us down a path to pull out of Afghanistan, but he never shut the door on keeping a small, light footprint, and I'm talking a few thousand counterterrorism special operations forces in Afghanistan to prevent the catastrophe that you're watching unfold right before your eyes. Donald Trump never shut the door on that. He would have never allowed this to happen, what you saw happen yesterday. It would not have happened on his watch because he would not have he would not have let it happen because he w he never shut the door on allowing uh, uh, what was whatever was necessary to keep there to fight back against the terrorists and and to prevent the, the a catastrophe to the scale that you're seeing unfold it never would have happened on Donald Trump's watch while we have 30 seconds i want to make sure i understand the following cuz i look at this i don't mind pulling troops out it doesn't bother me 
But we were told by General Milley, we were told by others that the Afghan security forces have this. And not only did they not have it, they ran away, leaving millions, if not billions of dollars of U.S. hardware for uh, the Taliban to now sell to Iran, to Russia and to China. Why wasn't, after 20 years, the, why weren't the Afghan forces ready to protect themselves in 30 seconds, sir? Yeah, they, they, they were never capable of doing it. And, and, Tony, they lied to us. I mean, they lied to us in recent days and said that they were capable of uh, standing on their own two feet. And they've lied to us for now for many, many years about the, about the investment that Americans were making in Afghanistan and, and, and money and in lives and technology. Did the Afghans lie, sir, or did, did the Afghans lie, or did U.S. intelligence get it wrong? I'm telling you, the, the intelligence got it wrong, but the, but the, the commander-in-chief lied to us just a couple of days ago and said this wouldn't happen. And that, that's what's shameful to the, Amer- to the American people. This is a black mark on American, uh, American leadership around the globe, and I'm telling you, it's going to have repercussions for a long time. Now, because- one of the things that matters, guys, is whether or not President Biden was lied to. Now, I'm not here to defend what President Biden has done. I am not here to defend his ineptness. I certainly will not accept the people like Richard Haas on MSNBC saying that Biden inherited the situation in Afghanistan from President Trump. That is a laughable construct. Biden doesn't listen to... He got left lots of things that all would have worked. Like the border, he didn't listen to it. This isn't it. That is all mythology from people defending Biden because they won't deal with truth. They won't deal with rationality. They won't deal with logic and reason. I like those things, so I ask myself the following question. What do I want more? Do I want information more or do I want ideology more? Me, I want information. Was Joe Biden lied to uh, by the intelligence community, by people like the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley? This is a question that I have. And I want to get uh, that answer. But no, I don't buy into this idea that we should be blaming President Trump, nor will I accept commentaries like this from CNN. They have a reporter, a female reporter on the streets of Afghanistan, which is unbelievable. You've got Taliban forces right next to her, uh, machine guns at the ready, on a truck, yelling and screaming, and this is what she has to say. They're just chanting death to America, but they seem friendly at the same time. It's utterly bizarre. Let me share that again. They're chanting death to America, but they seem friendly. This is CNN. How far are you willing to go? They're chanting death to America, but they seem friendly. The only thing that is keeping you alive right now, ma'am, is that you work for an American news outlet and there's a camera right in front of you. But the women of Afghanistan who don't work for CNN and don't have a news camera... They don't have the time to say, well, they seem friendly. I mean, they're raping us, but they seem really friendly. I mean, they took me right out of my mother's arms, and they just raped the daylights out of me. But my gosh, they did it with a smile. That is what she's saying. They're chanting death to America, but they're smiling. This is, this is not reporting. This is insane. 
This is an absolute failure to connect the dots of exactly what has been unleashed. Now, I'll share with you a little bit of a, of a piece over at Natural Review uh, from Ben Sass, the senator from Nebraska, which is an interesting piece and goes along discussing something that, that, uh, that Representative Jim Banks discussed, and I do appreciate him being on, on the show earlier and being, having the chance to share that with you. That the senator from Nebraska also talked about having some forward uh, forces and a light footprint. The question is, is that what we want? And I think there is a legitimate conversation to be had about whether or not that is what is necessary or else. I think the story here is, though, the top line is that Biden failed. He said that you wouldn't have these issues. You wouldn't have these problems. The forces can keep up. And, of course, the forces can't keep up. Even Jake Tapper speaking to the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, saying, uh, what the hell? President Biden is intent on avoiding a Saigon moment. Uh, That's a reference, of course, to the hasty and humiliating U.S. evacuation from Vietnam. But with this troop surge to airlift Americans out of Afghanistan, aren't we already in the midst of a Saigon moment? No, we're not. Remember. Uh, This is not Saigon. We went to Afghanistan 20 years ago with one mission, and that mission was to deal with the folks who attacked us on 9-11. And we have succeeded in that mission. The objective that we... Let's stop right there. The Saigon moment, the idea of airlifting people off of of buildings, a a, uh, throwback to Vietnam. I was on Newsmax last week when Bob Sellers said this exact same thing, the host. And I said, there's no way he just made a Vietnam reference. Well, son of a gun, everybody is. Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, his answer there does not satisfy. Let us go back to hear what Jake Tapper asked. President Biden is intent on avoiding a Saigon moment. Uh, That's a reference, of course, to the hasty and humiliating U.S. evacuation from Vietnam. But with this troop surge to airlift Americans out of Afghanistan, aren't we already in the midst of a Saigon moment? No, we're not. Remember, uh, this is not Saigon. We went to Afghanistan 20 years ago with one mission, and that mission was to deal with the folks who attacked us on 9-11. And we have succeeded in that mission. The objective... The conversation was not about the mission. The conversation was about, at the end, you couldn't train the forces to take on the Taliban, and you abandoned the embassy and then had to send 5,000 Marines back and evacuate the embassy. Of course there's a Saigon connection. So I want to make sure we're breaking this down because there's too much to take on all at once. You have the failures of the Biden administration, and then they're hiding. Only now do we know about the press conference that's coming from Joe Biden on this subject. You didn't hear from Biden. You hear from Kamala Harris. Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, she's taking a vacation this week because this is the week where you take some time off, you know, some me time. They got the intelligence wrong. What was going on with the training of those troops for the last 15 years. Why didn't any of it take? You have the abandoning of U.S. hardware and the billions of dollars. You have the signaling 
to other nations. The world is losing faith with the United States, especially if they were relying on the United States to be with them. Ukraine and in Russia, Taiwan versus China. You ain't got no help now. Look what they just did to all those Afghanis who were helping U.S. troops. Then you have, as I've been discussing, the entire intel conversation. Did Biden get bad intel? Was Trump getting bad intel? Exactly who is providing the information? Does nobody know how to be honest? Except it is now being reported, even by NBC, that people were saying, this ain't good. This is a problem. And supposedly, they were not listened to. You know what happens when you get intel, but you don't want to follow up on it because it might make you look bad? Or like a racist? Or like like you're not woke? You know, utilizing all the places where you can get information, but like, oh, I can't say that because this, that, and the other. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be a bad look. Information is information, data is data, facts are facts. They cannot be denied. And it seems that this administration may have denied it. The intel officials. So we've got a couple of different pieces here, from Biden's failures to the intel failures to the dear Lord, what have we just done for our enemies conversations. That's to say nothing of the people that are going to be left to be raped and killed. There's a lot to this story, and there's more coming up. I'm Tony Counts. Now, on a day like today, we're going to have a lot of breaking news about what's going on in Afghanistan, so I will, I will share things with you as they get breaking. But here's one thing to note. Donald Trump is not allowed on Twitter, but the spokesman for the Taliban is. Let me say it again for those of us who understand how absolutely ridiculous social media is and how all of their rules are nothing but lies. They're all just based on ideology and hate. Donald Trump, the former president of the United States, not allowed on Twitter. The spokesman for the Taliban which rapes and murders and just captured the whole of Afghanistan Twitter account. But no, uh, Twitter knows how to be good and pious and moral. Sure they do. Speaking of not being good, moral, or pious, Dr. Fauci, I've got that story next. Keep it here. Certainly, the conversation about Afghanistan has taken over the news cycle, but what's going on in our lives and in our children's lives still matters very much. And what's happening with the conversation of masks and mask mandates and the fear factors going on regarding COVID matter as well. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. I've said before, I'll say it again, I take on all comers, and you're more than welcome to call in. Happy to have the conversation. 
Mandates are wrong. Mask mandates, vaccine mandates, employers who are demanding vaccines, all wrong. In a free society, people make decisions. And the way you get people to agree with you is through persuasion. You convince them. You convince them that you've got the better way of doing things. You convince them that you've got a better way of handling things. I spoke with uh, a, a doctor, Dr. Jennifer Barker, who runs an emergency department here in Indianapolis about what it is they're saying, not only an emergency department, a pediatric department, what they, they see at, at, at a hospital in Indian, something that we're seeing the, the nation over whether it be uh, Atlanta or Tulsa, uh, whether it be throughout uh, Indiana or St. Louis, more children in hospitals. Now, the more children's in hospitals conversation, it creates a whole secondary issue about space. And that leads to the fact that there are uh, staffing shortages. There aren't enough nurses. This is true the nation over. And nurses are being treated like hot garbage. Because there are nurses out there who don't want to be vaccinated. Now they're being told, oh, well, I guess you're a killer. Last year the nurse was a hero. This year the nurse is a killer. That's a pretty quick turnaround right there. I mean, that's pretty ugly. But it's happening constantly. It's in the same way that people talk about pregnant women who may not want to get vaccinated or thinking about getting pregnant and don't want to be vaccinated. If you want to prove to them that the vaccine is fine, you got to do that through data. You got to do that through conversation. You can't do it through saying, well, you're just going to hurt your baby. Don't threaten these people. Stop hating these people. It's a ridiculous thing to do. The same can be said. Wait, before I get there, I was talking about uh, this this interview I did with, with Dr. Barker that I'll share with you a little bit later. And so they have the, these shortage issues. That's a big problem. The other problem, and you're going to hear about it, is what they're experiencing in terms of those people filling up emergency rooms or even filling up ICUs. It's not about children with COVID. It's about children with RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, and how RSV is making this weird, weird play in the summer when it usually doesn't happen and playing in kids who are a little bit older than who normally get it, which would be two years of age and under. So they're the ones not masked and they're the ones not vaccinated. RSV exists and it comes year in and year out. So why are we seeing more cases of it? And when you take a look at the ERs, the percentages of those with RSV, not COVID, who are taking up the ERs, that's the preponderance. So when we hear conversations about ERs filled or or, or hospitals filled, ICUs filled, what's actually happening should not send people into a, a, a fear place about COVID. That's the problem. We send people into fear as opposed to dealing with facts. The facts matter greatly. Another place where facts matter greatly is to the idea of masking. And you see school districts trying to push mask mandates. It's happened where my kids go to school. It may have happened where your kids go to school. You have some states like Florida, some states like Texas saying no mask mandates. We must understand that by saying no mask mandate, you create the most amount of freedom possible. 
Freedom means you, as a parent, can still say to your child you wear a mask. The teacher can decide to wear a mask, but other people may decide not to wear a mask. That's safety. Well, Tony, they could be getting COVID. The data still shows that children under the age of 18, unvaccinated, unvaccinated. Hold on a second. I, I, I've, got the, I've got the data. I've got it. I, I, th- I think I have it right here. Yeah, I think I do. The amount of them getting uh, COVID, a, a thousandth of a percent? I think that's it. Here it is. This is the chart. This comes from Financial Times. This is the data out of the United Kingdom. If you were to take a look at the risk of COVID death before vaccine, under 18 is approximately one tenth, hundred thousand, ten thousandth, one ten thousandth, ten thousandth. There it is. That's a tongue twister, by the way. One ten thousandth of a percent. And many people say, yeah, I don't need to give my kid a vaccine. I don't need to give my kid a vaccine uh, with, with, with that kind of uh, knowledge. When we take a look at masks, we see that there are no studies that show masks are effective. We have people who want to believe it so. We have people who discuss masks and say, well, they stop droplets. But we're talking about whether or not it stops the aerosolized and the size of the particle uh, that is uh, COVID-19. This, from the University of Louisville, University of Louisville study finds mask mandates did not slow spread of COVID-19. The analysis compares COVID-19 case growth rates in 33 states that impose statewide mask mandates on or before August 2nd, 2020, with states that impose mask mandates after the state, and with states that didn't have mask mandates at all. The researchers found that case growth was not significantly different between mandate and non-mandate states at low or high transmission rates. This is the same thing we saw out of the Florida studies in schools about places that had mask mandates and didn't, and we saw that the mask mandate schools had more cases of COVID. This is what the data tells us. So based on this, someone could decide, you know what? The studies don't show it, but I'd feel safe if my kid was wearing a mask. They can say that. And their kid wears a mask. Or they can say, nope, I think that there's something on the other side that's far more dangerous. The kid's not wearing a mask. That other side conversation is one that seems to be totally, totally skipped the other side conversation, and this is the conversation uh, that uh, you, you see in, in, in the Wall Street Journal. In the Wall Street Journal, they're discussing this, this very issue in an opinion piece. The opinion piece comes from Dr. Marquet and, and Dr. Meissner, the case against masks for children. And as they state, it's abusive to force kids to struggle with them to sacrifice for the sake of unvaccinated adults. Well, that much is certainly true. But what about the kids, never mind their mental struggles, because of the isolation and maybe because of the mask, what about kids who aren't doing as well with their speech because the mask prevents them from being able to see how words are formed or hearing if they're forming the word properly? How about the fact that you can't see other kids' smiles, you can't see their facial expressions, so everyone kind of more stays to themselves because they don't know how to properly interact. You need the face to be able to do that. 
We're going to deny these things? Not me. Not me. But there are doctors I like and doctors I don't who all have opinions on this, and there is a reason why I don't allow doctors to decide policy. One of those doctors I'm not a fan of is Dr. Anthony Fauci. Here he was on Face the Nation on CBS yesterday. Hands on 10 and 2, people. Hands on 10 and 2. With regard to mask wearing, particularly in the situation in schools, we've just got to realize that we're dealing with a public health crisis. And the more you get infections, the more spread you get, the greater opportunity the virus has to continue to evolve and mutate. Right now, we are fortunate, Nancy, in that the vaccines that we have are quite good against the Delta variant, particularly with regard to preventing severe disease with hospitalizations and deaths. We certainly are getting what are called breakthrough infections, which means a person who is vaccinated might get infected and actually may even spread the virus. But in general, those people are not the ones who are getting seriously ill and dying. It's the unvaccinated that are doing that. So we have a lot of tasks. We've got to do mitigation, put aside all of these issues of concern about liberties and personal liberties and realize we have a common enemy and that common enemy is the virus. And we really have to all pull together to get on top of this. Otherwise, we're going to continue to suffer as we're seeing right now. I would argue at this moment, Dr. Fauci, the common enemy is you. I want to go back. I want you to hear his answer again and notice where he tries to say freedom but corrects himself. We've got to do mitigation, put aside all of these issues of concern about liberties and personal liberties. Put aside liberties and personal liberties? No. I don't think I will. I think that the thought to say that out loud, the the saying that out loud is so radical that you should be in charge of nothing. We have to do it for the greater good so we can't have personal liberties. Thank you, Dr. Anthony Fauci Jinping. What's the difference between Dr. Fauci and Xi Jinping at that moment? You know who also believes that we should put aside personal liberties? Kim Jong-un. What the hell are you doing? Oh, oh, I'm the one being a little too out there, Tony. You're being hyperbolic. I'm dead on. Dr. Fauci knows nothing of policy and shouldn't be allowed anywhere near a policy. If you're taking his advice as a school board member and deciding that people should wear masks, you're out of your head. You are siding with the idea that personal liberties don't matter and that parental liberties don't matter. And parental liberties are everything. Parents are in charge of their children, not school boards. And parents are sure as hell right to fight back. Absolutely. Oh, we're a school board and people are yelling at us. Go work at Dairy Queen if you don't want to be yelled at. Everyone's happy at Dairy Queen. By the way, Dairy Queen is delicious. Please don't think I'm mocking Dairy Queen. I could get, I could eat a blizzard right now. Producer Ari wants two. Yeah. See? Told you. Dr. Fauci thinks we should put aside liberty because we've got a pandemic. The Constitution doesn't get put in a corner like baby because there's a virus.
And doctors don't seem to understand this. That's why doctors cannot be in charge. Liberty comes first. Well, Tony, some people are going to die. Yep. I agree. Some people will. But you're not going to get those people to join you in getting vaccinated if you're telling them they have to put their liberty on a shelf and wait until Dr. Fauci says it's okay again to use it. To have respect for Dr. Fauci is to have no respect for yourself. I have respect for myself. I'm Tony Katz. Can you blow my Now, one only knows the time will tell whether this sticks around where you have media looking at the Biden administration saying, you people really are bad, aren't you? Like, you're not good at this. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. This was the Today Show. Savannah Guthrie speaking to one of Biden's national security advisors on what's going on in Afghanistan. And the comparison to Saigon, you got to hear it. You won't believe this actually got done on NBC. Clearly, this didn't go through Chuck Todd. Mr. Sullivan, friends and foes alike are calling this withdrawal a fiasco, a debacle. And it is one that apparently the administration did not fully appreciate or see coming. Let me play you uh, some of what the president himself has said in the last six weeks or so. The likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. Do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling... None whatsoever. Zero. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. And yet that is precisely what we have seen over these last few days. How do you explain getting this so wrong? Well, first, Savannah, to be fair, the helicopter has been the mode of transport from our embassy to the airport for the last 20 years. But you know the larger that is, point. That is, it's not the that helicopter. That is how we move it's not people the back and forth. So. No, no, it's to, the last-minute scramble. You know that. It's the last-minute scramble when the assurances from the president himself were this was not what we were going to see. Holy cow! Like, you hear that, you're like, Oh, 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 my God. Honey, they did news. They did news on the TV. It actually actually happened. Uh, Mark down the time. Break out the champagne. We're going to celebrate. It's unbelievable. But I've now heard this asked in, in a couple different ways from NBC and from CNN. How did you get it so wrong? Now, the pushback there from Savannah Guthrie is actually pretty fascinating. But is this all a part of, okay, ask the tough questions and then we can prove, see, we ask the tough questions and then get back to, you know, not noticing the problems of the Biden administration, not noticing how bad they are. I want to make sure we're going through the actual technical, tactical issues of what has taken place in this withdrawal from Afghanistan, these 30 days where the Taliban was able to take over, and what happened with the embassy. 
Uh, Major Mike Lyons is scheduled to be with us, CBS News Radio military analyst. And we're going to go through this. What should have been the proper procedures and what was not done? What planning was actually put in place to pull out of Afghanistan? What should have been put in place? And how did we get to this place, as Savannah Guthrie says, and you heard me discussing earlier? How do we get to this place where we're sending 5,000 Marines back to secure the embassy and get people safe, and yet we haven't guaranteed the safety of those who worked with the U.S. military, those Afghanis? And then we were hearing that Americans weren't getting first preference to get on the planes. So who was? Major Mike Lyons to break that down for us. Keep it right here. This is Tony Katz today.